word be proclaimed today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Right, I want to begin by sharing with you a little story. Uh, two men were marooned on a tiny little island. One man packed uh, or paced back and forth, worried, dreadfully frightened, that while the other man uh, sat back whistling and sunning himself. The first man said to the second man, aren't you afraid that we're going to die here? Nope, said the second man. Well, the first man said, well, what makes you so confident that we're not going to die here? The second man turned to him and said, I make $100,000 a month, and I am a faithful tither to my church. My pastor will find me. <laughs> I knew you would laugh. But in that laughter, the very reason that many churches... And many pastors do not speak about money on Sunday mornings is because there are two ways in which we tend to look at it. We tend to laugh at it and think it's hilarious or we tend to think that the only thing the preacher is up there for is to talk about budgets and buildings. And, and he's here again trying to strong arm us into giving more of our money to him. I want to share with you that sometimes that is the case. There are churches and pastors that continually talk about money just so they can build bigger buildings and build a bigger eagle. However, that is not my case. But I will have to admit, shamefully, that over the years I have stopped preaching and teaching on finances and tithing as I once did as a young preacher because of the very idea of what people think. And I have come under that, uh, uh, that idea that, well, they should know what they need to do, so I don't need to tell them in that way. They're not looking at me as if I'm just looking for another raise. But God has said to me that how are they going to know if you don't tell them? All right? The humorous story identifies those key reasons, but yet it reminds us that we need to speak about this truth. Did you know that uh, um, every other area of discipleship in the Christian life has to be taught? What makes us think that finances and being a good steward of God's resources is not one of those that needs to be taught as well? I know that if people are going to be growing spiritually, they have to learn to give spiritually. However, there is no other area of spiritual growth where we can make the assumption that believers will grow without a reminder or exhortation. So I've come to realize that we are not a mature believer and a disciple if we do not embrace the reality of the materials that we have are just the fact that we're stewards of God's goods. Stewardship is not about fundraising. It's basic discipleship. And as we are talking about the need for discipleship and evangelism and family ministries, this area of stewardship falls into every one of those categories. Each believer must come to understand that giving is not just about doing their duty, 
Giving is actually a deeper personal indicator of our spiritual maturity and our love for God. So I want to talk to you about three steps that we need to take in order for us to understand this concept. The first step that I want us to take towards God is learning to trust God through giving. Learning to trust God through our giving. Many see the responsibility of giving as a burden. How sad it is in light of what the Apostle Paul said to us that God loves a cheerful giver, not a burden giver. Giving is actually about a a relational decision. In the process of making giving a decision, we really establish our agreement with God about our stewardship towards God. As we continue to decide to give, we're constantly affirming how much we value our relationship to God as His children. And as good stewards of God's resources, giving is a decision and that simply is a matter of thinking through how He wants us to allocate the money He has entrusted us with. An amazing benefit of giving as stewards is the release of our own real burdens on life and financial needs as we learn to trust God through giving. We can live confidently on what is left because we know that God has promised to take care of us. Giving is a freely a freeing experience as we connect to see how close we can get in a relationship with God. The ultimate outcome is those who give as stewards experience a sense of intimacy with God that are followers of Christ. Giving belong or becomes a part of our worship. Every Sunday when we give, we are experiencing worship. Worship is not the songs that are sung up here or the songs that you sing. Worship is our reaction to what we have experienced in God. Giving becomes a way of saying thanks to God for His grace and promise of provision every day. Giving becomes a deep part of our personal connection to God. I want us to next look at three widows and Joe's already uh, stole part of my sermon, but that's okay. I'll, I'll figure out how to use it anyways. All right. I want us to look at three widows that we see that give us a perfect example uh, of the growing in knowledge of God through giving. The first widow, all the way back into 1 Kings chapter 17. If you want to go ahead and, and go back there, I don't have time to read all the scriptures, so I'm going to tell the story. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 14 is, is the highlight of this story. And we find the widow of Zarephath. Uh, this is in 860 B.C. This passage tells the story of God providing for a widow in a small town uh, northwest of Galilee along the Mediterranean coast. The story takes place after there has been a three and a half year drought that God through Elijah has put upon the children of Israel so that King Ahab will repent of his sin. As far as uh, uh, this widow knew, her starvation process for her and her son was about to take place right after this next meal. And then appears the prophet Elijah. He shows up. And first he simply asks, would you give me a drink of water? 
Now remember, in the story of Elijah, Elijah had run away from uh, uh, Jezebel and he had been running in the wilderness and, and God put him by the, the brook Cherith where he watered him and fed him and then the, the brook dried up and God said to Elijah, get up and get going, I've got something else for you to do. And he takes him to this place where he meets this widow woman, he is dry and parched and he simply says, give me to drink. There's a drought, but somewhere or another, this little woman has enough water and enough meal left for one more meal before her and her son are going to starve to death. So she does what most Orientals do. She took care of the traveler. She gave him a small drink. And then Elijah said something that stopped her in her tracks. She, he asked her what she was doing, and, and she said, I'm about to make the last cake of bread that I have for me and my son, and then we shall starve. And he simply said, now go and make me a cake first. And the woman simply said, I, I, I would imagine, are you crazy? Why would I feed you over my son? I don't even know you. Now, let me kind of set the stage for you. Now, let me remind you who Elijah is. Elijah is the prophet of God. He is the one who represents God. He is the man of God. He, he, is, he is the one who has come to set the stage for this woman. Elijah is the one who tells this woman, don't be afraid. Go make me bread like you said, but make mine first. One might say, well, this sounds a little selfish of Elijah, doesn't it? Taking bread right out of the mouth of a little boy. But yet, Elijah is representing God, the God of Israel. And the God of Israel and heaven and earth is sovereign. And he is to be obeyed. If God is, is being represented by Elijah, let's think about what that means to us today. Elijah has told this woman to give of what you have to me first. Isn't it amazing that God Himself has said to every one of His children, Give what you have to me first, and then all of what you need shall be taken care of. And as God's representative, Elijah promises her that if you will obey what I've asked you to do, there will be a miracle on the other side for you. But she has to make his cake of bread first. Now the woman has a decision to make. She decides to trust God, but perhaps without, not without a large amount of doubt and questions. Maybe she even says, well, what have I got to lose? Just the difference of one meal is all I got left, so why not try it? Let's see if it works. So she made the bread, dividing the little she had and giving to Elijah first. How does this work out for the widow? In 1 Kings chapter 17 and verses 15 and 16, it tells us. And here's what it says. That God did a miracle. I imagine that the, 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 the woman's life was never quite the same spiritually. You see, we got to know the rest of the story. See, this is the beginning step of how God is causing her to trust her so that when a bigger disaster comes in her life, she knows exactly who to turn to. 
My friends, let me remind you that when we are in a relationship with God, He never starts us off on the big things. He always asks us to do the little things to put our trust and faith in Him so that when the big thing comes, we're ready to say, I trust you, God. And so it was with this woman. She was asked to give a little bit of her meal to make a cake of bread and give it to Elijah first. And she did. And God blessed her. The God whom she had only knew at a distance had now become her divine provider. He cared personally for her. But the question begs to be asked, does God still do that today? Can I still trust Him in that way today? Can I still depend upon God in such a way? I can tell you assuredly, the answer is yes. I can tell you scripturally, the answer is yes. Listen to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. It should be no surprise to us that God uses the area of our financial giving to test our hearts and then to draw us closer as we trust and obey Him. Now, if you flip to the next slide, I want you to see some things. Here's just a few observations about this widow that I want you to think about in your own life. How do these observations of this widow compare to the life in which you are living today? She was a believer in the trust of God. She had a serious financial need herself. She was asked to give away a big part of the little that she had left. She heard God's promise to provide for her if she obeyed and kept His word. She believed God's promise and first gave obediently to God and then looked for the miracle of God's grace. God shows His care by providing for her need miraculously. Now, let's look at a second widow real quick. The widow that Joe mentioned, we go all the way to the New Testament in Mark chapter 12 in verse 41 through 44. In Mark chapter 12, there's a time when Jesus takes His disciples into the temple and He's just kind of, He's standing off to the, to the side and His disciples are over here and He's just, He's overlooking what's going on out there on the floor. And out there on the floor, there are these pots, these brass pots that are placed out there and places where they are, are people give their offering unto the Lord. Now, listen, I, I'm not talking about what Joe was talking about, giving of our tithe. It's not what he's talking about. When it talks about giving the offering, it means that they've already given the tithe. They've already given what is required of God. Now they have opportunity to give above and beyond. And many of the wealthy were giving and they were loving it because they were dropping their coins one by one. Ta-ting! 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 And the bigger the coin, the more the ta-ting. And Jesus was watching this little sweet gal walk through the temple, probably with her head hung low, doing what every worshiper should be doing, not looking to self, not looking up and saying, look at me, but looking down and saying, God, I've come to worship you. 
and she puts her two little mites, smallest coin there was, and it doesn't even make a sound. And Jesus says, boys, come here. He calls them over and he says, now he's not, he's not dissing the, the, the folks that were able to give, but he's saying, listen, this woman did something that, that others have not yet done. They've given out, not out of their abundance, but out of everything that they have. They've given sacrificially. They've given in such a way that they gave of themselves. Listen, my friends, the gifts in which were given by others were expandable income. It didn't really affect them in any way. The gift that she gave was essential income because it was all that she had left. This is how God views giving today. God always sees the sacrifice of your giving. Now what God is saying is that, that He understands that sometimes giving is a sacrifice. But he says that's what makes it a worship in our lives. When we give so that we have to sacrifice. Now listen to the words of King David. King David made this statement in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 24. King David said, I will not sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. In other words, David said, I will not give to my God and call it a gift if it doesn't cost me something. Sacrifice. God wants us to recognize that our giving creates a sacrifice before the Lord. Again, let's look at some basic lessons from this incident. We're never too poor to give. We're never too indebted to give. I can tell you story after story of folks that I've helped over the years get their finances in order, not by paying off all of their credit card debt and all of their bills, but by giving to the Lord first. We're never too poor, never too broke, never too indebted to give. Giving generously means trusting God for our future because He holds our future. God is honored by the degree of sacrifice, not by the amount of money we give. My friends, I'm not asking you to give less because you have more. I'm telling you, if you want God to see that you're giving out of sacrifice, it must cost you something. Giving is worship that expresses our relationship to God. My friends, listen. We ought to come wanting and waiting for the opportunity to be able to give back to God and say, God, my worship is you have blessed me this week. You have blessed me this month. You have blessed me this year. And so my worship to you is to say, God, as you have blessed me, let me be a blessing to someone else. Here is my gift back to you. Use it for your glory. My friends, that kind of attitude will cause more worship in our heart than singing a hundred songs. The third widow that I want you to see is not from the Bible, but from a book. 
Because what I wanted to do was show you that it happened in the Old Testament, it happened in the New Testament, but it happens today. This story comes from a book by the, uh, written by Ron Blue. It's called Generous Living. It was published back in 1997. It's a story of a lady that, that lived in the 90s. Uh, it's a story of a Christian lady by the name of Ruby. And Ruby's husband, Bob, was dying of cancer. Fifteen years earlier, he had started a company that manufactured water treatment chemicals. Now in his waning days, the, his adult daughter had, had quit her teaching job to help with the business along with Bob's wife, Ruby. Ruby knew business was slow, but she was shocked to find out from her daughter that the company was actually on the verge of bankruptcy. Some bills had not been paid for over 36 months. Bob had kept the problem from his family, avoiding them for the burden, but now the truth was out. As she began to pray about how to take care of this problem and the desperate situation in which they were in financially, God impressed upon her something that she had previously learned from God's word about giving. She seemed or sensed from God that he, she was supposed to start giving from the business account. She asked her husband's permission and he agreed and they were, had nothing to lose. Ruby went to the company secretary and told her to write a $1,000 check to the church. The longtime secretary said, absolutely not. We really don't have enough money to do that. And plus there are too many bills that are past due. We need to pay them first. But Ruby insisted and the check was written. The next week, Bob died. So it wasn't for until about a month later that Ruby went back to the, the, the office to find out that her secretary had not continued with the checks. She asked the secretary what had happened and why the checks were not written. She replied, Ruby, you won't believe it, but there was somehow enough money in the account to cover it. We'll write another one, she said. No, the, the secretary said. But Ruby prevailed as the owner and the check was written. And for $1,000 a month, she contributed for the next many months. The checks were barely covered, clearing each month. The following year, the business began to flourish. And the next year, the past due bills got paid. Ruby increased the company giving to the point that by the time of the writing of this book, Ruby was now giving $20,000 a month from the company to her Lord. So I said that story to say to you this. It is not just a biblical fairy tale. It is not just a reality out from the past. It is the evidence that our God is the same today as He was yesterday and He will be tomorrow and He can be that same God for you. So I challenge you to be like one of those widows and trust God. The second step in which we need to take this morning and I'm going to be quick because I know our time is, is slipping away. How giving connects us with God personally. I don't know about you, but I, 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 if I'm going to support something, I have to have a personal connection to it. When Lindsay got up here and talked about what she's doing, I have a personal connection to that. I have no problem supporting her because I have a personal connection to Lindsay. But there are a lot of people that ask for my money. I get calls every week. Several of them a week asking for my money. And I don't have a clue who they are. And you know what? I have no connection to them and I don't give them my money. 
But I want you to understand that giving to the Lord creates a personal connection with God that we may not yet have, but that we so desperately need as His children. And so I want to talk to you about three ways in which we are personally connected. First of all, let me just recap what I just shared with you. These stories are not just about God's reward for giving. They pull back the curtain on God's desire to connect relationally with each and every one of us. The widow who fed uh, Elijah believed God's promises and got to know and enjoy God because she trusted Him. The widow at the temple had already, was already a worshiper. She had come worshiping God and God then met her there in the midst of her worship. She gave as worship. And then Ruby in those months of grieving while learning to manage a business currently drew closer to God as the one who was now her Jehovah Jireh, her provider. Giving was the critical element that connected each of them to God and how they stepped closer to Him in personal relationship. Giving connects us relationally with God. Giving is not about us. Giving is about our relationship to God. Giving connects us to God relationally in these areas. Now listen real quick. Giving establishes our humility before the Lord. Giving is about uh, me expressing to God, He is superior. That He, God, is God and I am not. You see, the, when we recognize this, giving is about us putting ourselves into the rightful attitude of humility before the Lord. Recognizing that He is the owner of everything and I am but a steward of what He has blessed me with. And therefore, I need to understand His ownership on me and everything that I possess. On a human level, giving doesn't elevate us over others. In fact, giving is not about people at all. It's always a God and me thing. That's where the world's view and the biblical view of giving is going totally in two different directions. When we give, we are recognizing our relationship to God as a manager of His money. It places us in our proper position before God. That's the attitude God is seeking, an attitude of humility. God, I know who you are, and I know who I am. I am but your servant. Giving establishes our worship before God. God owns the earth. In Psalms 24, in verse 1, so what posture should a person have as they bring their gifts before the Lord? Bow down, bow down, for God is great. Our gift might be, be big to us because of its sacrifice, but it is big to God because it acknowledges His infinite ownership over everything that we have. This little bit I can give, that I call giving, it's actually just my way of saying, God, you own it all anyways. The tiny cake of bread that Elijah received, the two small coins the temple lady gave, the mere measly thousand dollars that Ruby gave from her company uh, check to support her church is, as, is big to God's grand scheme only if the gift acknowledges and worships the real giver, God himself. Giving is literally worship. Listen to what the Proverbs says in Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. The Hebrew word here used for honor 
means to glorify or to acknowledge the importance of something. Its root meaning is that something is heavy and weighted and is significant or important to us. When applied to God, honoring Him means that we ascribe Him the significance that He deserves as God. When we give to acknowledge that God is the owner, and when we give to express our worship and honor, there will arise within us an expectation and a confidence that God, who is so powerful and so faithful to us, that not only will He use our gifts in a larger eternal purpose, but also God will meet our needs with the rest that we have left. And thirdly, giving expresses our trust in God. Do we trust what God is doing in our lives, in our relationships, in our careers? Do we trust Him to take care of our health and meet our financial needs? Do we really trust God? How do we develop a trust in God like that? My friends, financial giving is actually one of God's key training grounds to produce a trust that connects between us and Him. Giving is a test. We know that from Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, if I will not throw open the window of the floodgates of heaven and pour out unto you many blessings so that you will not have room enough to hold them all. Giving is simply about trusting God. Because like the widows we studied, giving means that we have less. It's simply a math equation. I'm not real good at math, but I can do this one. 10 minus 1 equals 9, which is less than 10. Okay? I'm not a real math wizard, but I know that if I have 90% less uh, left after I've had 100%, I don't have as much as I had when I had 100%. But what it does say to me is that when I trust God, that He will take the 90% of what I have left and He will use it to 100% of His glory. There's nothing more relational than for us to trust. If we trust our wife or our husbands, it means that we don't have to check up on them. We don't have to question that they have our best interest at heart. Do you? Do you know God? Do you trust God? Do we know His character? Do we trust His character? God wants us to know and trust Him so that even when we can't see for sure what He's doing, we don't have to doubt Him at all. Financial concerns seem to be the arena of the test uh, of trust that God uses for all of us. God wants to use this constant tangible area of life to draw us a step closer to Him. As we give back to God sacrificially, we will worship Him. We're telling God that we're really willing to trust Him. As a result, He's honored, and we come to know the peace of trusting God with every 
area of our finances. Listen, I'm not here asking for more money. I'm here asking you to trust God. Walk with Him hand in hand. Now the third step that I want to tell you about is a personal story of God's faithfulness. Now, I'm going to have to let Martha tell her story and not mine. So, but she's asked, so I guess I, I guess I got to do that. But here's the thing that I want you to hear first of all. Every one of us has a story. If we don't have a story yet about the faithfulness of God and how that we gave and He honored, then here's what I want to share with you. Start working on your personal story today. Trust Him. Trust Him in the area of finances because the only area, absolutely the only area in all of Scripture that God says that we can test Him because it's so important. Martha, stand up. Tell your story. Martha said, God does not want you to feel condemned today. He wants you to be honored in that you have the privilege of trusting Him and giving to Him. I'm not going to take time to share my story with you today, but I will share with you this. I believe that God wants every one of us to have a story. A story in which we have where, just like Martha's and just like mine, where there was a beginning point in which in our life that we said, Lord, I can't do this, but I've got to do this. So here's what I have to offer. And then you build on that. And I can assure you that in over 30 years of doing this ministry work, I have sat with many, many people who have said to me, and I've had them come to my house and, and dump out boxes of bills on my table and say, will you tell me how I can give to God when I owe this much? 
It's very simple. Trust the Lord. Trust in His promises. Take a step closer today with the Lord. The question I want to leave you with, simply this. I want to pray with you, and I want to leave it with you. Are you willing to take a step closer to God? Now that might mean today in the area of finances. That might have absolutely nothing to do with finances. It may be that God wants you to take a step closer to Him in your personal relationship of spending time in His Word. It may be that God is wanting you to to take a step closer to Him in coming to know Him for who He is, the great salvation that He has provided for you. Take a step closer to God. Whatever it is, whatever area God is speaking to you in. Take a step closer. And then when we are a step closer, then ask God how to take the next step closer. God wants you closer and closer and closer to Him because He wants to be closer to you. Father, I come before you today and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the willingness of the folks to sit and listen. And now, Lord... I don't want them to leave with condemnation, but I want them to leave with an encouragement that, God, we can trust you. God, you want us to know you. God, you want us to love you because you love us. Now, Father, the truth is, there's not a one of us here that cannot take a step closer to you in some area of our life. So, Father, would you work in their hearts? Would you work in their lives? And would you draw them closer to you, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me a moment to get to the back of the room and you're dismissed.